Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. We're a couple of days away from a vote that could help bring an electric vehicle battery plant to St. Joseph County. Regional Chamber of Commerce President Jeff Ray discusses the economic impact Altium Cells LLC might have on the community. If they come to the area, the initial investment would be more than $2 billion. And ultimately, even if the tax abatement is passed, the company would still have to decide if it's building in New Carlisle. But it could be a major moneymaker for Michiana, and the chamber president thinks we'd be a great fit. Altium Cells LLC is looking for its fourth electric vehicle battery production facility, and its home could potentially be in New Carlisle. South Bend Regional Chamber President Jeff Ray says it would leave a great financial footprint on the county. What we've heard from GM and Altium is uh, about their desire to be a, a great community partner, and uh, and should we uh, uh, should we be able to land this, it, it will go down in our history as one of the most significant projects that we've ever had. Ultium is a joint venture between LG Energy Solutions and General Motors. If it chooses St. Joseph County, Ray expects a four-year period before the plant is fully operational. That ramp-up period could be another $1.8 billion. Whether we work there or don't work there or whatever, this investment, the new uh, taxes and jobs that are created by it, um, will really be a win-win for the entire county. Once in operation, it's estimated to generate $652 million annually for the area. That's the equivalent of 26 Notre Dame home football games a year. And while there's a lot to still be decided, Ray says the proposed location is designed for big industry, away from the city with utilities close by. In turn, he has great confidence Ultium could be a great partner with the county. We think going to do all the, the right things on site. The fact that it has an economic impact has us real positive and hopeful that the council will make the right decision next week and that uh, as a follow-up, then the company will decide that we're the right spot. Now, Ultium Cells responded to my email saying they look forward to the tax abatement application being reviewed and hopefully approved. That process will happen at the county council meeting Tuesday. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reports. The South Bend Community School Corporation Administration Building will soon have a new owner. Come 2024, South Bend City Government offices will take over the building. The administration is moving into currently closed Brown Intermediate Center. This was decided after a feasibility study that looked at public accessibility, and Brown scored the highest. A vote Monday at the South Bend Community School Corporation board meeting put a major sale into motion with a $2.8 million price tag. In my book, I would rather sell this building. I know it's an inconvenience. I know this is lovely. This is lovely. We're kicking you out of your office. But do you want to sell this or do you want to close another school? In my book, I'd rather sell this building, keep our schools intact, save that money, put that money back in our schools. The sale of the administration building to the city of South Bend will be finalized in October. But the district will lease the building until July of 2024, only paying utilities. In a statement, South Bend Mayor James Mueller said, quote, the sale of the administration building is an important part of the district's right-sizing plan. 
The city is excited to see this being finalized after placing the best offer. This move will be a win for South Bend schools, the city, and the county, which will be able to backfill the space in the county city building. This is more about the long game, um, so it's not really about the short term, but the, the, the long game and how we see things in the future for South Bend schools. And so without this building uh, long term, we'll be saving uh, $5 million that we can put back into um, children and into the classroom. SBCSC administration's new home will be the former middle school Brown Intermediate Center on Beale Street, located two and a half miles north of the current building. The city of South Bend also has to approve this transfer. The South Bend Mayor's Office says the city will bring this proposal to the Board of Public Works meeting on Tuesday, September 27th. WSBT 22's Ashley Dagger reporting. Public schools in Indiana are screening kindergartners, first graders, and second graders for dyslexia. The schools are required by law to screen the kids during the first 90 days of the school year. Dyslexia affects about 20% of the population in the U.S., Left untreated, it can impact a person's ability to read and comprehend, and that can lead to self-esteem issues and behavior problems. Alternatively, early intervention can have an impact into adulthood as well. CH, chin, sh. Two letters, one sound, underline it. Good job. In Donna Crichton's second grade class, the students are practicing foundations. It's a way to teach kids reading and sounds. Good. Once you get those things, you know, um, mastered, they're on their way. But not every child in her Bremen classroom learns the same way. Some kids struggle with reading. It's why the state of Indiana requires schools to screen for dyslexia. T topped. Good job. One turn. <laughs> okay. It allows teachers like Crichton to reach those students. You've got to start in kindergarten, though. It's got to be in kindergarten and move all the way up. Once they're in second grade, you've got to move fast because when they leave us, it's kind of too late almost. What letter does your name start with? Dyslexia is a learning disability that affects a person's ability to read, spell, and speak. They basically look at the page and the, wor the words may be upside down. They may see half of the word. Um, they may see, the page may look like it's moving to them. I can't even imagine, like, you can't imagine what the page looks like for them. Janet Box is the dyslexia coordinator here in Bremen. Bremen, like all public schools in the state, screened children for dyslexia in kindergarten, first and second grade. Box coordinates that and makes sure students are getting the interventions they need. I'm going to say schools, we, we don't diagnose dyslexia. What we do, our job is to screen for characteristics. The screenings are mostly on computers and can incorporate letters, words, pictures, and sounds. They process things a little bit differently. And so um, most of the tests are, they show four letters on the screen, choose the letter M, and they click it. Um, uh, they say um, for blending and segmenting, listen to, listen, k at, and they'll show four pictures, and the kids have to be able to blend those individual sounds to pick the picture of the cat. All parents can access the results for their children, and if there are red flags that are identified during the screening, the school can respond with interventions and screen again later. The state law requires schools follow a strict process so that when a child shows dyslexic characteristics, interventions, therapy, and trainings are available early. Even if the student is not flagged as being dyslexic, it gives the teachers great information about each child. 
where is this child in their reading process, even though they have no dyslexia at risk characteristics? Oh, I see they don't know this skill, so I can, you know, teach that to them. E-R, her, er. Creighton already knows there are children in her class with dyslexia, and she has strategies to reach them. It's got to be fun, though. Like, I'll pull shaving cream out sometimes, or we'll do sand trays. So they do. It's, it's very fast-paced, and it moves very quickly, and it's good for them. The hope is all of her second graders will move into third grade and beyond with a love of reading. <laughs> Each school must submit specific data to the Indiana Department of Education. The IDOE also has a list of approved dyslexia programs that offer training in our area. WSVT 22's Kristen Bean reporting. Imagine having $40 million in state grant money to give with the goal of making the community better. The Regional Development Authority Board had to choose last week what nonprofits would share in that money. The $40 million had to be divided between 59 applicants. A very tough decision considering fully funding every single request would have been $143 million. Discussing as a board which projects were their highest priorities, they need to have the most ready plan that would bring in the biggest economic and population boost. We had to take a look at each one of the projects, compare them to the overall goals that we were trying to achieve. Um, through our, our long-term plan and evaluate how they were going to be uh, impactful for the region. Serving Elkhart, St. Joseph, and Marshall Counties, they wanted to be fair to each hopeful applicant. 19 projects were selected, and the board wanted to make sure each one got a slice of the pie. Housing had the largest price tag of $24.3 million, but the board knows housing is the biggest need. The largest recipient was $11.8 million going to help fund Memorial Hospital's 10-story expansion. This project would add more than 250 housing units, uh, nearly 1,000 new structured parking spaces, a hotel office and retail space as well as relocating the Beacon Health and Fitness Center. 11.8 is still a fraction of the anticipated $140 million expected but a big step. I believe that goes a long way towards making this project viable. Uh, we'll have to work with the developer Great Lakes Capital and Beacon Health System to better understand uh, that funding amount and, and what that means for the project, uh, but we're excited for it to move forward. All of the parks and recreation projects were granted their full requests, and some of the biggest attractions like the Moore's Performing Arts and Potawatomi Zoo got half. The zoo will use $1.1 million to build the black bear, tiger, and lion exhibits. They could have, would have given it to every single project that was available because there are so many good projects. So I, it was just it was it was neat for us, I think, to see how much went into this decision making. And I think that's how you can walk away feeling, you know, yeah, you got cut a little bit, but so many other projects are getting funded, and that's that's makes it even more special. The board said it was a tough decision simply because there was more deserving projects than available money. But they do anticipate and hope that there's going to be a second round of ready dollars available down the road to help fund those projects left out. W SVT 22's DJ Manu reporting. More animals and exhibits as well as improved concessions are in the works at South Bend's Potawatomi Zoo. Potawatomi Zoo has some big plans in development. It's all thanks to money from the American Rescue Plan. It seems like there's always something new in the works at the Potawatomi Zoo. Now, two new exhibits and expanded concessions are coming. The zoo has really been under this revitalization period over the last few years. You know, we just opened up the giraffe savannah and feeding experience here at the zoo. So now we've just moved on to the next step and that's our, you know, the, the plan, uh, master plan phase three. The zoo will be getting bears, a pride of lions, and expanding current concession options. 
The money for these new additions comes as part of the American Rescue Plan. We were able to get a portion of the hotel motel tax, which was five and a half million, um, and then very fortunate to um, uh, be a participant in the uh, Ready Grant. So we were able to receive about $1,070,000 from the Ready Grant, um, and that'll all go to this concession in bear habitat. So the total project's about $6.1 and then uh, we're putting about a million and a half in lions. Zoo-goers I spoke with today were ecstatic about news of the new exhibits, even though the combined projects won't be fully complete until 2025. It's nice to be able to have a zoo that's pretty fairly close. It's only about an hour-ish drive for us. So it's nice to have a zoo that has things like the lions and the bears that we can see and not have to go all the way to, say, Chicago or Indianapolis. And already they already have some animals that we don't have at Fort Wayne. A big focus for the improvements is finding a way to make life better and more natural for some of the larger four-legged residents. It was really important for us to get the big cats um, out of square cages and really get them more habitat style with, you know, water features and more space. And um, so that's really our priority. Sisk says these new exhibits may push the timeline back on certain other projects that were in the works. WSVT 22's Leo Goldman reporting. Forensic Science Week has just concluded in Indiana from September 18th through the 24th. In 2021, there are over 24,000 new cases submitted for analysis at the four Indiana State Police Laboratories. Those cases will be examined not only by scientists in the lab, but will make their way through a number of professionals in the field who can help solve them. I was able to speak with law enforcement about how important this work is and how it helps solve investigations like cold cases. When somebody is buried in an unmarked grave specifically, and we're able to say, this is who they are, this is the family they belong to, this is their story, bringing that story back to the person is a driving force for me. Misty Gillis is a forensic genetic geologist. She works with scientists to help discover unidentified victims. A job state police say is crucial in helping close a case. They're not the people that are in front of the camera in uniform. They're not the crime scene investigators that are at the you know, these detailed scenes, but they take everything that's gathered and sometimes they can find that missing piece of the pie that, that's really needed to solve that, uh, solve that puzzle. Gillis says while the job is rewarding, it isn't easy. The children's cases, I will say that. I work a lot of unidentified infant cases and um, young children and I'm a parent. I have three small kids my, of my own. Um, I typically am able to compartmentalize that very well when I work the cases, but I feel like I bring a little piece of them home with me, especially the children. She considers herself an activist in the field, trying to even out the database and get more entries for minorities. If you want to honor forensic science this week, Gillis says the best thing you can do is get submitted to the database because it could help a family figure out what happened to their missing loved one. Bringing that comfort to a family and that knowledge of what happened to their loved one, bringing an identity back to an unknown person, is extremely rewarding and humbling, and I definitely have a passion for it. If you've ever sent in testing for genealogy websites like 23andMe or Ancestry.com, Gillis says you can submit to GEDmatch or FTDNA to be in their databases for free. WSBT 22's and Lurie reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT.
Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 